We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Network. And now... On to the show. John Van Brassen drops back, throws an arching pass upfield. Reggie Town Fields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72 yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a whole burst to it. 20. Next steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Sorry for the long delay. We've had some stuff going on. Mike, how are you? I am doing outstanding, DC and Ram Nation. Man, it's been a tough three weeks, but uh, man, we're getting through it. How about you? Tough three weeks, tough three games. Tough, whole, yes. tough month of, of November? Yes. Oh, man alive. That was a rough month of November. Rough month of November. Rough. It, it didn't feel very Thanksgiving me, if that's a word. <laughs> you try. If that's a word? Well, alrighty. <laughs> okay. So, that's the way to start things. Rams going this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So on the show today, a little bit later, James Johnson from the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Also, he's the manager of the Jaguars. He's been on the show before, good guy. And he's got a lot to say. I mean, considering it's the Jaguars. On our end, the Rams, it's been rough. 
And I, I, we haven't talked in a while, so I'm really curious to what your thoughts are, especially as this team is seemingly, if you look at the fan base right now, they think this team's falling apart. Question I guess I have for you to start off is, are the Rams falling apart? No, I don't think they're falling apart. Obviously, it looks that way. But again, you're, you're trying to gel new coaches. You're trying to mix in similar offense, similar defense, but changes. You're trying to mix in new personnel. So, yes, it started out great. But I think a lot of the, the problems that are going on with the Rams are very fixable. But as we talked about last week, Coach McVay just seems to be a little bit stubborn on some things. And so it looks like, you know, you're getting a little past the bucks. You're seeing Kevin O'Connell get on out front talking more. But, again, anyone who knows what's going on, McVay is pretty much calling the play. So they got to kind of get that figured out on – who's really doing things and you know either you trust o'connell or you don't or quit sending him out here to kind of make excuses and all these kind of things but i just think they got to figure out with the pieces they have how to just put them together you know you can have a great game but if you don't know how to put that puzzle together uh you know if you're putting together a puzzle it's never going to turn out to be that beautiful pitcher that's on the box. So I, I just think they got to, you know, double down and just get back to some of the basic things. But hopefully this is a good week to do it. I mean, looking at the film, one of the big questions that you get is, well, one, why have the Rams been in 11 personnel as much as they have been? Why are we seeing in film breakdowns on the offensive line? Why are we seeing defensive line breakdowns? And, you know, we can look at so many of the things that are going wrong, and we still we can forget, well, wait, this team is still 7-4. They're still in it. It's fixable. But, you know, we've a theme on the show for the last couple of years, Mike, has been, hey, um, they're going to take their medicine at some point. And I think right now might be a point where they're taking some medicine. I mean, I think down the road, a couple years down from now, we're going to see them taking more medicine as they try and clear up some of the mess from you know all these years of missing draft picks and so on and so forth. But you know, right now, the consistent turnover in coaching, for example, I think we're seeing the effects of that when we're seeing some of the issues of fundamentals. When Wade Phillips was let go, one of the key things that was reported was that they were looking at scheme at this point over some of the fundamentals. because So that's what Wade Phillips is good at. He was good at the fundamentals. And now we're looking at the team strongly in certain areas of the fundamentals. And here's the scheme. When you see consistent turnover at the skill position, at the cornerback, at, at the linebacker, at wide receiver, whatever you know turnover we're seeing in positions, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, there is going to be a... There's, there's going to be a brain drain there. There's going to be a justice that they made. And I think what we're seeing is, I mean, honestly, Mike, I think we're seeing the team paying for that now. The lack of consistency, the lack of it, of normalcy, because every year you got somebody new leading the charge at, at certain positions. And we're seeing it on the field. Hey, there's no doubt. I mean, when you look at, 
the first turnover, drops back, gets basically strip sacked. And you go, okay, is that on the QB or is that on the line? Or is it a combination of both? But you would think Matthew's been in the league. He would have pocket presence. Step up, sir. Uh, you would also think that, come on, Lyman. You've watched film. You should know what the other guy's signature moves are. How do you just get beat that easy and that fast at the beginning of the game? Make these guys earn it. So take all those things and all those things, when you get turnovers like that, it just are momentum uh, drivers for the opposing team and momentum killers for your team. So those are the kind of things that they have to clean up. Got to stop the turnover machine. And some of the throws staff is making, you're going, okay, man, this is a seasoned vet. What is that coming from? Flashbacks. You don't got hit too much already early. You know, what is going on with that? You know, because connection on receivers like, okay, those routes aren't even close. And then you're still having drops here, drops there and things like that. So you add it all together. You end up with a score like it was against Green Bay. And it does look like, man, what are these guys doing? You know, they should kind of know better if you think you you feel based on some of the guys being on the team and things like that. But your point is well taken in regards to just the turnover and people don't understand you. You think that everyone's professional, but if you don't get along with a coach, new coach, as well as you did the old coach. Yeah, everybody's trying to do their job. But you just don't have that continuity and flow that you may hope for with consistency and less changeover in coaches and players. Well, I think it's also more than that, too. You're you're seeing different coaches at different philosophies come in there. And although, you know, I'm sure Sean McVay and putting his staff are trying to keep things as as much the same as possible. Raheem Morris is not Brandon Staley, and Brandon Staley's not Raheem Morris. So, of course, they're going to have differences of view. They're going to have differences of how they do things. And it's just going to take time overall. Another issue that I don't think that people realize is this is a team that took the field this year with a lot of money invested in dead cap. What's that mean? Your overall salary for the year is basically... The salary cap is $187 million. They had some rollover, right? But with injured reserve and dead cap space, well, let's just take injured reserve out. With injured reserve and active co- contracts combined on there, they only have $134 million on the roster. So they're trying to win with $45 million locked away. They can't touch it because it's dead cap. That was a sacrifice the team made. Notice they couldn't re-sign John Johnson. They couldn't re-sign Troy Hill. We saw other movement as well. They weren't in on a lot of the big free agents. Why? Because the money isn't there. Guess what? Guess what? Next year, the money's there. The salary cap is projected to jump by about $20 million. Add, get rid of the dead cap money. Right now, the scheduled dead cap money is, let me look at it real quick. The scheduled debt cap money right now, until things fall apart, is only $242,000. The Rams are going to have a lot of money to spend. Okay, um, There are going to be changes in terms of contracts. There will be some things going on. 
but they're going to have money available to them. Right now, it's estimated about 4.6 once they move everything around with the increase, uh, with rollover, they're going to have money available. So there is relief coming. Next year, they will have a different roster. And that's why I thought this, the Super Bowl window, window, well, excuse me, window Mike was going to be two years. My first concern was this year because right now, they don't have depth. The inside linebacker position is a mess. All they really need is a good, strong role player there. You have your defensive lineman. Defensive lineman you have your corners. Your, your safeties have some issues, but they're growing. Okay, linebacker is the real problem in the defense right now, and you're relying on Troy Reader, who's been a hot mess. He shouldn't be starting, period. He might not even deserve to be on the freaking roster at this point. Oh, man, come on now. Okay. Don't go there. I'm going there. He's been that bad. When's he actually useful? When's he useful? I'll tell you when he's useful. On the occasional pass rush on the edge that's designed just for him. Or every now and then we call him pluggers. He'll plug at A yeah. gap and B yeah. gap. And uh, he will do that. And yeah. But that they, they call that so little with him. Right. And he's horrible in coverage. He's pretty much nowhere horrible. he ever needs to be. All right. So horrible. You can't tell me there isn't a better veteran available on the free agent market than that. Right. All right. They trade the wrong guy, basically. They sent yeah. Ken Young out to Denver, and he's the guy that he may not be the biggest guy, but he's the guy who can move. He can cover a little more. He has the speed to go with it, and I think we underestimate that loss. Even losing Micah Kaiser, the big shock when they when they he didn't make the team. You're thinking, why is he making the team? Why is he not in the team? And Troy Raider is well. I uh, I know Kaiser had some injuries, but I think you would have rather had him there. I know at least he'll stop the run. So I just look at this and go. Their fix isn't going to be in the draft. They don't have a whole lot of picks that are available to them. They're going to have some money in free agents. They're going to have to move some money around, but they do that better than anybody in the league. They're going to be okay next year. This year, a couple of years from now, when you start, when you know you actually start taking your medicine. So there is reasons for hope, but when you dig deep on the Rams on the roster and how it's made up, you understand where the problems are. And it's not good. Yeah, so, you know, our great friend, Hall of Famer, Dallas, former Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champion, Troy Aikman, he had this to say, uh, we've talked about it. The all-star team just, I've never seen it work in the NFL, Aikman said. I know Washington tried it back in 99. I've just never seen a team that goes out and tries to put together this all-star team that can win a Super Bowl, much less success, Aikman said. It usually unravels, and right now, that's the kind of what's happening to the Rams. They've just not been very consistent. What do you think about those comments? I don't agree. I think the overall concept is right. I think when you're saying, well, the all-star team hasn't worked, I agree on that. But the reason why the Rams are struggling is not because they're an all-star team. It's because they lack depth behind those all-stars. It's because of the broken fundamentals. You're looking at film from the, of the running game and seeing how the offensive line on the interior is messing up assignments. You're not getting any push at the line. That has nothing to freaking do with your all-stars. The, your, veteran, your line is a veteran line right now. You don't have any rookies starting on your offensive line at the moment. 
Don't tell me that you can't get things done. That's, that is a botch on the part of your offensive line that goes on the players and on the coaching staff. has nothing to do with your star. The, the star factor in terms of what we're just talking about with Troy Reader and the lack of, of depth at inside linebacker, you can say, well, yeah, because you're paying stars. So don't forget, the Jared Goff trade, that is where the dead cap money is. If they didn't have to make that trade because Jared Goff just didn't fit the bill at the end of his career here, then all of a sudden they can afford to go out there and get an inside linebacker. Those issues to me, don't t- don't, they don't spell the whole superstar issue. I don't think that's the case. I think it's coming down right now to coaching, and it's coming down to depth in areas that could have been corrected had your original stars worked out. If Jared Goff works out, then you don't have Matthew Stafford here. You're not paying the dead cap money price on that. And all of a sudden, hey, you can afford an inside linebacker. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And uh, to add to that, I think that if you don't start running the ball at least a little bit more, you're just going to have more of the same issue because there's re- there's no real threat of play action. There's not even a real threat of Hey, man, they need it third and two. They're going to run it up. No, there's not even a threat of that. We go empty backfield, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we knew they were going to pass. So I think you got to use the running game. I don't think wait for Cam Akers to get back and whoever else and bringing Eric Dickerson out of retirement. No, man, we have a good back. Let's give him the ball and let him and Sonny Michelle go out there and, and, and pound some guys a little bit. I think that would definitely help the O-line feel like, you know, they're just not sitting back, you know, catching all game and trying to stop blitzes and twist stunts and everything else that's coming their way and maybe cut down on some of these guys just coming free and now we got strip sack fumbles and all that good stuff. I just think we've got to get down and run downhill a little bit more and and let teams know, yeah, we can do a little of this smash mouth thing ourselves. Well, that's a couple of questions I have. And the first question being is, can I mean, are the Rams able to do the smash mouth? It sounds ridiculous to say, but they are getting out-muscled across the football everywhere you're going. That's not really how it should be. You should be, well, you're in the NFL. You are NFL players. You should be able to make a difference. I just don't see... Why that's not be, why that's not actually happening? Like, why aren't you able to get any push at all? Even against some weaker defensive lines, they have not been able to get a lot of push. And you could say, well, it's a lack of commitment to the running game. Well, I, I guess it's true. That's true. I'd say there's been a lack of commitment to many things. Remember how this team used to be one of the best teams with the screen in the league, one of the best play action teams in the league. You're not really doing either. I mean, there's got to be more to it. Right, right. There's got to be more to it than that. Sean McVay didn't suddenly become dumb. He didn't suddenly become go from being one of the brightest offensive minds in the league to being an idiot. I'm not excusing him either, but there's something deeper going on. And I think, honestly, Omega has anything to do with Robert Woods, who is one of your best blocking receivers out there, A. And people forget this. Johnny Munt. Johnny Munt was a big deal as a blocker out there. 
and they'd already lost Joe Everett to the Seahawks in free agency. Losing Johnny Munt, losing Robert Woods, I think, I think those are two bigger injuries that we're giving it credit for. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I mean, all those things play into, and we, we talked about back in the summer as we were heading into the season, the thing that any team, no team, can factor is the injury factor and what and timing and who's injured and when and what position it affects. But obviously, it's it's definitely looking like we're missing Robert Woods for those things, being able to block, being able to, you know, have that inspirational catch and get the first down and, you know, get up and kind of get the crowd going or his team going. So you're missing some of those things. Absolutely. Uh, We're seeing with new defensive coordinator, maybe trying to over scheme, trying to get Aaron Donald in positions where he can be singled up. You know, but Aaron Donald's still Aaron Donald. He still seems to somehow get in the fray of things and, you know, make himself known. So, again, you know, I think if I were just going to go offensively, you have to figure out a way to take these guys. I mean, I'm looking at Odell Beckham on Sunday and I'm like, okay, man, that guy can't run deep right now. Something is wrong with him. Why are you guys trying to run deep routes with that guy instead of letting him? at least use a little bit of his quickness and savvy on intermediate routes. You know, the guy obviously was hurting. Then they said, I guess he has a hip point or a hat, you know, and so those can be very painful. So it's things like that that go, okay, he's not going to be able to run by anybody. Why are we calling that route for him? So that goes back to your point, DC, or question, or your statement of, well, Sean McVay hasn't gotten, you know, doesn't know how to coach all of a sudden. Well, not that he doesn't know how to coach, but you have to. Somebody should be telling you, hey, man, this guy can't run right now. Let's, you know, put him in motion and let him be the under route runner guy or something like that. So you just got to find a way to get these guys open. That's what they pay you the money for. When teams are making adjustments against you, you have to be able to counter and get your weapons out where they can now be effective. There's a really interesting article out in the ringer today. And what it talks in that article, it points out that pretty much every season of Sean McVay's career, there's a downward curve in terms of the team's offensive performance from the beginning of the year to the very end. And what that tells me is that defenses are adjusting to Sean McVay, but Sean McVay isn't so quick to adjust to opposing defenses. Now, the average fan is going to say, well, no fake, Jake, of course that's the case. But when I look at the film, I see Sean McVay trying to adjust but his personnel don't fit what he's trying to do. They're either injured or something's not working. This is, this is really prominent in 2019 when the offensive line was a hot mess. Now you have a shortage at tight end. And, you know, they keep asking, well, why are the Rams playing 11 personnel as much as they are? The reality is, who's going to be the second tight end to go in 12 personnel? Who do they trust to do that? See, that's the real issue. He doesn't have the players. 
that he wants. Well, you can't keep saying that. You can't keep the, 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 he has to adjust more than what he is. He has to. This is the NFL. Your injuries happen every week. You can't be so reliant on one type of offense that you you can't adjust even when you're trying to adjust. You have to. You got to think around the box more. I think Sean McVay is an innovator when things are going his way. When things don't go his way, he shuts down. That's kind of how I'm viewing it. He doesn't seem to be able to, to look around the corner and find ways out of his box when he's put in a box. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. It definitely makes sense. But the thing is, when you're talking about personnel groupings, yay, okay. But the thing is, personnel groupings, you may run these plays or these routes. Well, you can still run those same plays and or routes, and you may not have the, quote, true 12 personnel, but you could put a guy in there to do the same thing, maybe not as effectively if you're trying to have a guy in there for run blocking, but as far as route running, you can have a guy running those same routes. He just may not be a true tight end. So those are the kind of things I think people that that know or uh, concentrate on, if you will, making adjustments and how you got to, you know, do some different things. Those are kind of things you're talking about is at the end of the day, you hear these announcers talking about, oh, you know, this coach, that coach. You know, they have their script. You know, they scripted out the first 20 plays or the first 30 plays and all that kind of stuff is that's good to do. But when that stuff is not working, you have to now go off script and then start plugging in plays that work against what is going on for today. That's why I say something is is doesn't make sense, because, again, I'm still seeing these set up situation where we're trying to throw these deep routes well you need more time to throw deep routes so there's always the little play that you've ran since peewee football and it's just called the sprint out pass or rollout pass and the thing is whether you have a running quarterback or a non-running quarterback it lets somewhat get on the move If nothing is there, he can pull it down and at least get you two yards. Slide, go out of bounds, or something like that. But if you're just going to have a guy sitting back in the pocket just getting hammered, uh, then you make a guy get a little more gun-shy or not aware of his surroundings. So I just like to see some basic things like that. You know, have the receivers running option routes. Hey, man, go inside. If the guy sit hard inside, man, option Got an outside route. He's sitting hard outside. Man, option and run inside. Just do some simple things like that, and you can do a lot of good for your team. I think there's things missing. I want to get want to get to that before we do. Want to ask you to go to Apple Music. We really appreciate a five star review. That means means a lot to us. Also, don't forget us on social media. And of course, we we wouldn't be anywhere without our sponsors who are checking in and making magic happen with us. The big one, of course, right now with, with us in Blue Wire is Tick Pick. So, hey, the Rams are back home this weekend. Home, like at SoFi, this beautiful coliseum of greatness, this pantheon of what a football team should be. And the Rams need a little bit of help getting this tonight. That's where you need to be there. Go there, catch the Rams playing the Jaguars this week, and Tick Pick has you covered. I promise. 
whether it's watching Matt Stafford trying to get up the snide or this defense stopping an offense for once because they've been struggling the last couple of weeks. Go to the game. Check it out. Visit TickPick.com slash RTR to save 10 bucks on your first order of Rams or even NFL tickets. It's the best place humanly possible to get them right now. I promise you it's worth the deal. Why? Because at TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, there are no, let me say again, no service fees. It's the only one you'll ever need to go to, the only site you need to go to to get your tickets because, again, no service fees. And that lets them guarantee the best prices on all of your NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So it's well worth your time. Again, go over to TickPick.com slash RTR. Save 10 bucks on your first order of Rams tickets. And there you go. Make magic happen. Go to the game this weekend. Rams need your support. All right. And here's the rest of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com So, Mike, you're mentioning things that we can see them do. How about some of the things that they were once good at and once relied on? Remember that good old jet sweep? They ran pretty well. What happened to that good guy? Hmm? Yeah. Where's the jet sweep? Who would run it now? Good point. Maybe they can't. Maybe they'll feel comfortable running it. But who would run it? Right. I don't know. Maybe Van Jefferson would run it. Just saying. You Mm -hmm. know, I I don't want Cooper Cup running it. He's done enough. 
Hey, how right. about <laughs> how, how how about you know the good old fashioned screen? In the Four Niner game, the screen was there all game. In the Packer game, it was there. Barely ever used it. Barely ever used it. This used to be one of the best screen teams in the league. Daryl Henderson is built for the screen. Right. And if you, now if they run a screen, they're running it to Higby? What? Right. What? Right. No, bring back the little things like the screen, the things that, that cause problems when a team is blitzing. Make them pay the price for blitzing. You know they're coming after you right now. They're trying to work over that offensive line. Run a screen. They're, they've gotten away from those things. Why? The little things that you once did well, you're not doing. Play action. Play action just disappears? Non-existent. Non-existent. Used to be one of the best things you would do. Well, you got to establish a little bit of the running game to actually try to get people to play action. Well, but sure, if but you don't have a running game and you try to do a play action, everybody goes, yeah, that's not play action because they don't even have a running game today. So don't bite up on the run because they're not running it. So until they establish a solid running game, that means, you know, more than 10, 12 carries in a whole game. Uh, and they may have given a few more carries than that, but it seems like it. Uh, you, you're going to kind of get, as you say, the same medicine that's not working for you. My point overall is this, though. Insanity is definite. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. The Rams are doing a lot of the same stuff over and over again now, and they're not getting this. They're not getting a different result. They're getting the same hot garbage result. They've gotten away from what what made them who they are. And even if you're missing players, you've got to find a way. You're professionals. This is the NFL. This is not PB football. You have to adjust. You have to be able to, you have to find a way to do what you're good at. Well, it's it's interesting because it's almost like <clears throat> Coach McVay may be being exposed by those who are his age or near his age. Correct? LaFleur Green Bay, younger dude, kind of McVay's age, beats him. Shanahan in, in Frisco, good buddy, similar age, gets beat by him. The young buck out in Arizona. So I'm looking at this like, hmm, is Coach McVay trying to like do too much because maybe he's feeling that pressure as well. Again, we've commented on, uh, hey, my name's John McVay. I'm the head coach, and I take full responsibility for our lack of this, our lack of that, our lack of that. Okay, man, we heard this before. Stop saying that. Let's do something different like win the game, make some better choices. But it just seems like these other young coaches either are allowing their staff to help them out or they're at least making adjustments as they go along. That's what keeps seeming like uh, Coach McVay is stubbing his toe on because what happens, you get stopped, you get stopped, and then you kind of get lucky. Van Jefferson gets in on the number three uh, corner, covering him in the slot, and for whatever reason, the corner jumps to an outside, assuming I think he must have 
thought he had safety help. And you get a touchdown off of that. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, man, somebody on their defense just went to lunch and just gave you an easy play that probably should have been an interception. So there's that false sense of reality like, yeah, man, these plays are really working. No, they're not. But every now and then, if you hit a home run, you go, yeah, see, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, but in, I mean, let's look at this before. We're kind of looking at things. We're a few days removed from that game in, in Green Bay, so we're not being as emotional say, as we would have been. And listen, if you think we're hammering the Rams all the way, there's a lot to work on. But there were some positives that came out of the game. Okay, one big positive, the Rams hit on two deep plays. They have struggled throughout the last couple of years on deep plays. They hit for two deep scores. One to Odell Beckham, which got him involved in the game, and one to Van Jefferson, who I am still high on. Okay, so those are positives. They are showing they can still hit you. They can still hurt you. That, that, that offense, even though it's having some issues right now, is still capable of jacking you up. That man hasn't gone away. I go back to 2019 and a lot in 2020. I had no faith the offense can jack you up. It's, it's showing it can still hurt you. That's a good thing. The defense, even with its mishaps, they still manage to keep the Rams in the game to a degree. I mean, yes, to get 36 points, but 16 points came off turnovers. The Rams were still in it in the fourth quarter. It was the offense that didn't come through in the fourth quarter. Enough. They had their chance. They blew it. Defense at that point wears out. So, I mean, this is not a total negative. And people forget. It's not like they were playing. I mean, it's not like they were playing the Jets. And heaven forbid I bring up the Jets, by the way. But it's not that they were playing the Jets. They were playing the freaking Green Bay Packers at the end of November in Green Bay. That's not an easy game. That is not an easy game. And if we're honest, if the Rams hadn't lost our two previous games, we wouldn't have batted an eye at the loss. I'm pretty sure you both, you and I both called that as losses, didn't we, when we did our predictions? Sure did. We so, said if Aaron Rodgers was playing, probably a loss. Absolutely. Yes. So we shouldn't be all like, oh my gosh, oh, you know, the Rams this, Rams that. They're playing Green Bay. Everybody, everybody, the, the, the sky is falling because of the Green Bay loss. No, it's actually because of the two previous losses. But, I mean, the Tennessee game, self-inflicted. The 49ers have our number. We know that. We knew it was going to be a tough game. All right? It's not like they went out there and... Now, if they lose to Jacksonville this weekend, I, I think that's time for Chicken Little. <laughs> okay? But they can get healthy this weekend. They're playing a tough defense, but their offense is struggling. They got a large, you know, a large contingent of their offensive stars are out. Their their playmakers are out. So this is a game that the Rams can and should win. It, I, I don't think it'll be tougher than people think it's going to be. But this is a kind of get your fundamentals straight game. This is a get healthy game, not in terms of physical health, but in terms of mental health, your fundamental health. And if they can do that, I think you know down the line they're going to be fine. They'll make the playoffs. If they go out there and they don't get things straight in these next couple of games, then the collapse will be complete. But it's not the end of the world. This, the Rams are still too talented to be as bad as they've been in the last couple of weeks. And there needs to be some perspective. The Packers are the freaking Packers. Right now, they are the best team in the NFC. And we know it. So what are we worried about? Is it the end of the world? Not yet. Tell me I'm wrong. 
Hopefully Mr. Green? not anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, but again, seven and eleven. There's only so many more opportunities to get it right and to put yourself atop of the the heap or in the heap and in the thick of things coming down the stretch. Again, the thing is, you want to be playing. It used to be November, but now with the extension of games and all that stuff, you do now want to be playing your best ball December into January. If you are, you're going to be doing well to be in the playoffs and hopefully have a long run in the playoffs. But this is a tough year for everyone. You look at Seattle and what's happening there, and you could almost predict it. Coach, the quarterback didn't want to really be there. He's there. Oh, injures his finger, gets surgery, and then is like, oh, I'm going to try to play super early. And it's like, hey, man, can you actually grip the ball yet? I don't care what they say. You're ahead of schedule. It goes to show, yeah, the body has a certain time that it needs to heal, no matter how much your desire is. And you see a, a all-time great quarterback looking very pedestrian, having coming off an injury and all the other things that are going on. You know, yeah, everybody's trying to hang tough. So, again, as we go back and we circle back a little bit, or I'm circling back on Matthew Stafford. Veteran or not, he's still new here, getting used to the L.A. scene, all that good stuff. Uh, obviously we just got Odell Beckham and we just got, uh, our linebacker Von Miller. and Von Miller. Don't know how, you know, my mind did a senior moment right there, a uh, big Von. And again, it's going to take, and he's coming off an injury as well. So I don't like the term all-stars. I think these guys were great quality pickups. You may consider it all-star team, Mr. Aikman, because these are truly all pro, pro bowl caliber players. Uh, maybe Von Miller for sure, borderline Hall of Famer, probably pretty sure. Odell Beckham, I think if he can get a few more years of true solid receiver play, he may inch back up into that upper echelon. Uh, wide receivers that have played the game. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he's also close as well. So, obviously, Aaron Donald, first ballot. I'm calling that right now. So, you have these guys that, yeah, you could say all-stars. You know, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, don't forget him. Uh, he probably is going to be right there in the Hall of Fame hunt, too, if he has some solid years continuing. Uh, but it still takes time to get used to the scheme how the D coordinator can use you best and all those things pro or not, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. And so still got some growing pains, but I think to your point, Derek, we got to get back to the basics, the fundamentals. Those are the things that are really killing the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, there's still enough time to fix it. So let's hope they do. Let's hope they do. My gosh. All right, folks. We have this, well, one of our big ones. Uh, Jay Johnson coming on with us from Believe in Jaguars, the Jaguars Wire. Let's bring him on and talk a little bit of Jags. Here we go. All right, here with James Johnson from the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Also runs Jaguars Wire, Jags Wire. And he's been one of our longtime guys. One of the first times we ever were a guest on someone's show was on his show, 
He's come back now and again when we ever do something with the Jaguars. And this week is the Jaguars playing the Rams. And we are seeing, on the Rams side, a team that's got some issues. On the Jaguars side, a team that's got some issues. But I'm wondering, James, given looking at how this team has played this year, are they starting to turn around? I wish. I wish. But uh, unfortunately, I don't think they are because they're at a point where they just are kind of decimated, especially on offense in terms of, uh, you know, they didn't come into the the season with a lot of skilled guys to begin with. Right. And they're decimated there. They lost DJ chart uh, the fourth week of the season against the Bengals on their only primetime game of the year. Uh, they lost Travis Etienne before that. They lost him in the preseason. I think it was the third preseason game. So right off the bat, you know, those first uh, four weeks to the preseason, they were without their speed guys. They're their speediest guys, arguably, on offense. Then a few weeks back, they lose Jamal Agnew. So they're at a point where offensively, uh, they're going to have difficulties manufacturing offense Um Unless Daryl Bevel gets really, really creative. They still do have James Robinson, but of course he's not 100%. Uh, he's dealing with a heel injury and a knee injury, but he's been able to go the last few weeks despite that. Uh, so like he's really their lone guy in terms of what they have. They had Dan Arnold uh, up until uh, last week against the Falcons, and they lost Dan Arnold uh, for the foreseeable future at least four weeks, four to six weeks, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, they lost him because of a great two MCL sprains. That was another hit. But, you know, it feels like if this team is going to have any chance of finishing strong, it's going to have to rely on their defense, which is actually, as you said, their defense is finding their footing uh, more so than the offense. So, OK, so your, your, your skill guys, the guys you're relying on to make some plays, they're struggling, but. Looking at things overall, they're playing a lot of close games. They are holding teams in check. They, I mean, they, they beat the Dolphins. They beat the Bills. That was a huge accomplishment. I mean, they've kept, for the most part, games close. Four Niners and Seahawks withstanding. So what, what are they doing right right now? Yeah, well, a, a large part of it is due to, at least since the bye week, is due to that defense. As you mentioned, the Bills game. The defense held the Bills to, what was it, uh, six points in that game. So outstanding performance for them. And I think that's partly due to when they went into the bye, they really evaluated both sides of the ball, really. The offense has yet to figure it out. But when they looked at the defense, they made adjustments that have actually paid off. And I think a large part of it is they moved to a little bit more zone coverage and they just made the defensive backs a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you see them, you know, you see guys like Tyson Campbell, for example, last week, their second round rookie, uh, the the 40, uh, excuse me, the 33rd overall pick that they took in, you know, basically the first second round pick uh, that they took. Uh, you see him getting his first interception and he graded like 90.5 on PFF and just had an excellent game. And that was because previously he was struggling. But before that, or excuse me, uh, previously he was struggling, but now that they moved to more zone coverage, he can keep his eyes on the quarterback a little bit more. He's a little bit more comfortable. And I think that applies for the whole defense as a whole. And not only that for the defensive backs, but up front as well. You can see the guys are starting to get more penetration. Josh Allen is having uh, a lights out season on his part. Dewan Smoot is 
having a, a pretty good season on the opposite end of him. And previously they weren't getting pressure, but now they're getting pressure from guys like Roy Robinson Harris and uh, Malcolm Brown and uh, even, dare I say, Taven Bryan, who was looking like a first-round bust, but now he's looking like a solid rotational guy at the least for them. So that's what's going right for them is probably, uh, you know, the defense has improved in terms of the players, and they also have improved uh, as a staff in terms of making them more comfortable. Uh, what about Trevor Lawrence? The guy came in, number one pick. He's, you know, being brought in to be the franchise guy. What about his evolution as a quarterback? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, right now, he doesn't have a lot of talent around him. But despite that, every week we see, and I've said this on multiple podcasts, we see a, a throw that's just, you know, like God tier type of throw, like Aaron Rodgers type of throw out of him. And, you know, we haven't previously seen that even, you know, even dating back to maybe Mark Brunel. Sometimes, you you know, you'll get those kind of plays out of Mark Brunel. But, you know, in between Mark Brunel and Trevor Lawrence, it's been a while since we've seen anybody make some of the throws that he's making, uh, despite the limited, you know, uh, weapons that he has around him. So I think he's a guy that next year, if they get, you know, some more weapons around him and they also cater to what he's more comfortable with you know that's something they struggle with they struggle with the whole aspect of should we let him uh you know do the option type plays that you see in college football but the thing about it is when they have allowed him to do that which i'm pretty sure you might have seen this on the Bengals mm -hmm. game for example he had a very very successful night when he did it against the, the falcons he looked better than he has in the past as well so you know it's that it's just that aspect of you know the staff doing better on their part to making him more comfortable, uh, which they've struggled with. But if they could do that this last month, he can close with a very, very strong, uh, you know, a very, very strong end to his rookie season. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, we're very hopeful about. And uh, you just can't wait to see what the future holds, especially if the offense can get right or they can get an offensive coordinator later down the road that'll be uh, more catering towards him. Now, defensively, this team has got a lot better. They've kept the team in games when against teams they, they probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, foreigners come in and they just run all over the, the Jaguars. And trust me, we know all about that. Happened to us. What, with all that in mind, what do teams need to do to take down this Jaguars defense? Yeah, it starts with. What the 49ers did is, and I'm sure you're well aware of that team, they are a team that believes in just slow, lethargic drives, you know, and these drives that tire out the defense. And that's, that's basically what happens with the Jazz defense is, you know, the, the more you can keep their offense on the field, the easier the game is going to be because the defense, uh, the offense doesn't make it easier on the defense. For example, it was a, a drive to start the game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for the 49ers, or it, it might have been the 49ers' second drive, but it took up a lot of time. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, eight minutes or so or something along those lines. And the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense finally stops them near the goal line, gets them to kick a field goal and to settle for a field goal. But guess what? They're super tired because basically the offense came out there and went three and out, basically. And 
A lot of that falls on Daryl Bevel and the use of James Robinson and a whole bunch of other problems not having skilled guys around Trevor Lawrence. So that that's the key to it is like I think you got to be physical with them and, and have these long, tiring drives, in my opinion. And I know that's not like what the Rams do, uh, albeit I do have Daryl Henderson on my, my fantasy team and he's doing OK. But, you know, they're not that type of team like the 49ers are. And I think, you know, Rams fans would know it more than anybody because that's the approach that the 49ers used against the Rams and were yep. successful against. So. They need basically what the Rams need to do is turn into their enemies, turn into the 49ers to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, time will tell if that happens. Uh, I know Matthew Stafford is struggling a little bit here and there. You know, that's probably something to watch out for. You don't want him to get in trouble with in terms of the picks and the interceptions, because when you give this Jaguars team something to believe in, which is something you kind of talked about, uh, they stick around if you give them something to believe in early. So hit them in the mouth early, be physical with them. And uh, take the 49ers approach is my best advice. Now, as you're looking for at this game this week, how do you analyze the Rams, what their problems are, and how they match up with the Jaguars? Yeah, well, see, I, I've I've done a good bit of research, and I'm also a Georgia fan, so I've, I've watched Matthew Stafford for many, many years. But the whole aspect of him, uh, you know, he, I think he's throwing a pick six in the last three games. So I think the Jacksonville Jaguars need to focus on garnering turnovers, however that is, you know, it, whether it be with strip sacks or whatever the case may be, because that's what's kept them in games in terms of going back to that Bills game again, is they really, really forced, I think it was three turnovers total in that game. And, you know, you could, you could get uh, with Josh Allen to, to, you know, have those type of games here and there. And that, that's what they, they're going to have to focus on, especially with, I don't know what the injury report is looking like right now, uh, but yesterday Daryl Henderson hadn't played. So, you know, maybe you're looking at the guy behind him, which um, is another Georgia Bulldog, now that I think about it, and that's uh, Sony Michelle. So, uh, you know, maybe that's the guy that, you know, you, you try and get a turnover from. And uh, I think that's that's basically what it's going to come down to is, is basically the margin, the turnover margin in this game. And maybe if you're the Jaguars, you know, you try and establish the run best you can, kind of take the 49ers approach, you know, get physical with these guys and uh, basically, you know, go with the ground and pound approach. But that's the thing, like Daryl Bevel, for some reason, he never gives James Robinson over 17 carries a game. He has yet to reach over 17 carries. And I understand, like, now he's a little bit injured and hurt. But even before, when he was 100%, and it's just baffled the fan base. Like, nobody understands it to this day. So. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars can't get away from that. They they have to be physical with this team, and uh, they can't really rely on Trevor Lawrence to be able to sit in the pocket, especially with the pass rush that the Rams have, and, and try and carve this team up from the pocket. It's going to have to be a physical game, and a game much like the 49ers tried to implement, or they did implement just a few weeks ago. Now, when you're looking at this game overall, what I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, on my end, when you see the Jaguars schedule, you're thinking W right now. But given all the problems the Rams have had, I mean, they had a winless November. And given some of the things we're seeing on film, I think this is their prime for a loss. The Jaguars do have a tough defense. They do give you problems. And even though they haven't scored a whole lot of points, all it takes is a couple turnovers, which the Rams have been happy to provide the last couple of weeks. When you're looking at how this game is going to go, how do you think it's going to go? I think it's going to be closer than Vegas predicts. 
you know, because the Rams have in their last what they're over five in terms of against the spread. So I think the Jaguars are going to keep it closer than people think. I don't think the Jaguars are going to win. No, not necessarily at all, especially with the lack of offensive weapons. But I do think the Jaguars maybe make it a little bit closer towards the end or whatever the case may be, because we we've seen it with this Rams team. Uh, they don't really beat the teams, at least as of, you know, November. They haven't really beat the teams that they should the way that they should. And, of course, they've also lost some games, and they're three straight to be exact. So I can see it going, I would say, maybe the Rams come up with around 34 and the Jaguars come up with somewhere along the lines of 24, 24-34. Maybe somehow Jacksonville gets 24 points on the board. And maybe, again, I'm attributing that to maybe the Jaguars get a pick six or something or a key fumble or something where the defense helps them to score because offensively they'll they'll struggle there. But for some reason, I just don't feel like just based off of the Rams November month that they'll run away with this one like they should. Eh, well, that's kind of I'm not sure about giving them a 34-24 game. I, I tend to think it'd be more like a 24-17 game, a 24-14 game where, you know, the Rams – there's nothing really on the Jaguars' offense right now that scares me. And I, and I know you've already explained that comes with the injury front and so on and so forth. But a team that's working things out with the Rams are right now. That whole, you know, that analogy, you know, that guy's he's struggling right now, but he's really working things out. Kind of like a team thing. You're working things out. As he has, this is the kind of game they need against what they would, a, a, an opponent that isn't too big of a scare for them offensively, but yet. Like I said, they're working things out. <laughs> they're working things out. I don't just see it to be that kind of game where it's 34-24. I'm not there in a place. I don't think they're in a place to do that. 24-17? I can see that. I can see that. I'm interested to see Trevor Lawrence against this Rams defense, too. Against the Rams pass rush in particular. Yeah, that's, you know, like, this is one of the games I circled for him. Admittedly, I circled it for him at the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy. But you still, you know, circle it because you want to know how, you know, the number one overall pick would fare against such a defense. And if you see encouraging things, you know, that kind of thing just carries into, you know, the rest of the month in December where you need to finish strong. Now, the Jags aren't going to make the playoffs, but like still you would like this would be a huge confidence builder for Trevor Lawrence, especially with the lack of weapons that he has. Uh, It'll be a huge confidence booster for him, even if the Jags could even put up. I would even say, yeah, along the lines of what you said, 17 points against this Rams defense uh, would be a, a success in my eyes based off of what he has and how the last few weeks have gone offensively. Uh, but, you know, for them to do that, they're definitely going to have to lean a lot on James Robinson if that is going to happen. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy is probably going to have to step up big in Dan Arnold's place at the tight end position. And, uh, you know, Marvin um, Jones is probably going to have to have a good game against Jalen Ramsey or whoever they choose to put on him as well, uh, because right now those are his top weapons, which, you know, as you said, really won't scare anybody, um, especially with James Robinson with the injury situation he's dealing with. Uh, otherwise, James Robinson is a guy to, you know that does scare defenses, but in the position he is in right now, I don't know that people are exactly scared of him either. Now, when it comes down to, to playing this Rams team this weekend, and then moving forward for the rest of your year, what are you looking for for the Jaguars for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I'm looking for 
a little bit of what I mentioned earlier is, you know, does the interior pass rush for this defense continue uh, to get the push that Josh Allen and Dewan Smoot needs? Because if they do, that's huge for them. That's, you know, a less one less need that they go into next season with. Also, does Tyson Campbell continue his growth as a cornerback on the outside as the number two or maybe number one cornerback uh, if he outshines uh, Shaquille Griffin, who you all are familiar with as well? Uh, does Tyson Campbell's development continue on the outside? So basically, it's a matter of really, for me, is watching the rookie class because previously it was looking like a lot of the needs that the Jags addressed through the draft and even free agency. Uh, it was looking like they missed on a lot of those. And now it's starting to look like maybe they, they got some hits in there. Uh, so that way they don't go into 2022 with a, a boatload of needs like we were initially thinking in the beginning of the season. Uh, so that, that I think that's the biggest thing is just watching this rookie class. Does Walker Little, the offensive tackle they got from Stanford, does he get to see the field a little bit and show them what he's capable of because he hasn't gotten to – uh, step on the field, but one game for Cam Robinson. Does Andre Cisco, the, the second round or the, excuse me, the third round safety that they got from Syracuse, does he get to step on the field and, and you know, start a game or two? Because he hasn't gotten to start in any games. It hasn't gotten significant snaps. I'm really watching this rookie class and see uh, to see what they could be uh, because they, they really could propel this Jacksonville Jaguars team uh, into the playoffs in the future. They are the nucleus, essentially of this team's future. All right. So James, can let people know where they can find you and your work? Absolutely. You can find me at sports grind underscore done on Twitter. Uh, you can find the site that I write for, of course, I'm the managing editor for USA Today, jaguarswire.usatoday.com. You can also follow uh, the Believe in Jazz pod at Believe in Jags pod on Twitter. And all our information is in the bio. So, and all of the information is actually in my bio too, uh, which again, sportsground underscore done. You go to my bio, you can find everything from there. And uh, yeah, you can find the latest in Jazz coverage from me and my comrades. All right. Well, as always, great to have you on. Hopefully, we have you again for this year's tour in the league. I mean, we couldn't quite connect last time. Got to have you on this time. It's always fun. Yeah? No? No? Yeah? Oh yeah, you know, anytime I can <laughs> flap my guns about football, I'm down, man. Just you just you know where to find me now. You know, like it was just, you know, like you said, we couldn't uh get on the same timeline there, but you know where you can find me with the believe people. Or you can find me on Twitter. I ain't hard to find to be honest with you, man. Ain't oh cool. We're still Facebook friends, friends, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hit me on Facebook. You know, Twitter, Facebook, it don't matter. I, I'm always down to talk football regardless of how you reach out to me. It don't matter. You got it. All right, folks. There you go. James Johnson from the Believe in Jaguars podcast. All right, dude, this is going out tonight, man. We're going to add the rest of our show okay. to it, and it'll be out. All right, Mike, he calls it around a 34-24 Rams win. I got it as something more like 24-14, 24-17. How are you calling this game? Yeah, I am going to go 27-21 Rams. All right, so why 27-21? What are you thinking? Well, I think we'll be able to score, uh, but we're just due to miss an extra point at this point in time. While I'm talking about that or thinking about that, 
What is going on with our punter? I think it's pretty clear. The Rams made a bad decision. They when, did. Oh, when, my goodness. I, and, I, and I, you know, fan favorite Johnny Hecker, who's, in my view, his game has been slipping a little bit over the last couple of years. And sooner or later, age catches up with you. For some punters, they can go forever. Some don't. And it was pretty clear after that punt in the Packers game, the Rams made the bad call, didn't they? They traded, they, they traded Marquez over to the Packers. He's doing a great job for them out there. And Johnny just is... He's just off his game, and he's been – I mean, he's been off his game for two years now. Well, who was his coach then, though? John Fossil. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, you know, I also think of this way as well, looking at just how bad our special teams has been. I mean, at some point, you got to say, seriously, this is – you are an NFL team. <laughs> J.J. Koski. I mean – Come on, I, dude. You want me to go? <laughs> Listen, if you are a coach right now whose team is struggling and is struggling the fundamentals, you got I mean, in my view, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sure someone told me I'm wrong. My first thought was when J.J. Koski fumbled that ball, cut that dude. Cut him. <laughs> cut him. You know better. If you are playing the NFL, you, what, and you're going to be running into a crowd of Packers, you know the first thing they're going to try and do is stand you up and take the ball from you. Right. I was yelling at the TV. I was yelling at the TV going, go down, go down. I saw it coming a mile away. Sure enough, some up and fumble. You have such poor consistency with your special teams. The only guy you trust back there right now is your best receiver. That is a bad combination. That is a prescription for another ACL injury for him. Have they lost their bloody minds? If Koski can't do it, cut that dude. I'm the upright saying it. Troy Reader. If Troy Reader can't get the job done, cut that dude. Start setting the example. No one's job is safe. I'm serious. That means old school. I am going old school because you can't do this anymore. Our special teams have been hot garbage for a couple years now. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be. And again, uh, you're going to have, you know, again, different schemes and things like that. But to your point, it just goes to show that, and I don't know what happened. I mean, did you ever hear anything about, did Fossil want out or did, you know, I just think pay more I money? I just think or? time ran out. I just think that they needed a change. I think, I don't have a problem with Fossil leaving. You know, every coach, I think after a while at that level probably needs to change. He'd been there for a long time. But Here's you know the reality is you got to bring somebody who can do the job too. You can't tell me John Fossil is the only guy capable of of performing there. And by the way, in John Fossil's last season, the Rams special teams it was down, so it's not like it was a new problem. Yeah, I know, but it just seems like certain areas it was a lot more consistent. Even when we were running some of the fakes and different things, they were actually working. But. I, I would agree to a point that, you know, in some situations, guys start turn, tuning you out as a coach and maybe people start, you know, over scheming you or figuring out your scheme. You haven't maybe changed up some punts and punt returns and different things. But I just think right now you got to figure that part out 
and to your point, you know, Kowski with his rookie self is like, dude, this is not Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. When you could go probably pick the ball up on the run against them D3 guys you're playing, this is the NFL. You will get lit up. I mean, bingo. Bingo. But, you know, again, my overall point, though, is if your players aren't performing, you got to get somebody there who's going to perform. If J.J. Koski can't do the job, he's got to go. I mean, well, what about the Stars? Well, the Stars are starting to they are, they're going to perform. I just, well, I, I get tired I mean, of... a good point. Go ahead. I mean, I get tired of these guys like a Troy Reader being in there getting playing time. <laughs> It, it, to keep doing what they're doing. And then, you know, you'll hear... You mean, you mean they shouldn't uh, play under the participation adage of the peewee football? Hey, man, just leave him in. He's he's trying real hard. But you're not doing the job. And that's my point. Like, my frustration is the same as anybody else. Well, it's not Troy Rear's fault. It, listen, we can all watch film. I see Troy Rear getting beaten covers. I see Troy Rear taking bad angles. You can't cover the film. We live in 2021. Anybody can plop the money down on NFL.com or Game Pass and watch the film. They can see it. Period. And it seems ridiculous to me that the Rams have nobody capable of returning a football to the point where you have to put your best receiver back there. And when you go and trust somebody else like Koski to go back there and do it, and guess what? He can't handle it. Can't handle the job. This is the NFL. Well, you know what unfortunately happens? A guy like him is trying to make a play. No, the play you make is the one that is allowed out there. Man, if you've got 20 guys bearing down on you, fair catch, let's live to play another down. You're not going to be that guy in peewee football. Man, I'm going to catch this ball on the run in the crowd, and I'm going to break, and I'm going to do something great for my team. No, like you said, you will get stood up, ball taken from you, and then you'll be tossed aside like dirty rags and you're going to be on ESPN. Now let's take a look at JJ Kowski. Oh, what a mistake he made. Yeah, that's what they're going to do to you. I would say that I would say this is in my view simple. Okay. Your professionals do your job. And 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 the kickoff in question Koski comes up the sideline. He has an option. You can turn to his left and run out of bounds. Or you can try and run up the sideline and risk getting hit. Which choice did he make? He made the choice that led him getting stood up and, and stripped. That changes the whole complexity of the game. Any turnover in on your side of the field is going to change the game. And you just can't do that. Like, I mean, it could have been Cup who made that decision, and my complaint would still be the same. You can't do that. The difference is Cup is worth more on the field right now than J.J. Koski is. If you got these guys who are taking up space in your roster and they're not getting the job done, period, get them out of there. You send a message real quick to your team that you're serious. That your roster spot's not safe if you're, if you're not doing the job. 
Yeah, and that's why I say it's old school. You know, back in our day, it was re- you were reminded every day at practice. Hey, guys, remember, the final cut is never, it's never finished. You know, so you didn't have this, oh, I made a team. You might have made a team week one and get cut on that Monday of week going into week two. So, or I remember that year, you know, 87, we're going to go play the Niners up there. It's raining. There's nothing we're playing for. And they're constantly all week. Hey, we're going to use this film to evaluate you to see if we're going to bring you back. So you're like, huh? You guys haven't figured that out by now? Mm-hmm. No. You better go out there and play hard. I don't care. We're out of the hunt, but we're not going out here to embarrass ourselves. So as you're saying, you know, you're a professional. You're getting paid, you know, pretty handsomely. And again, I'm not saying it's the easiest job as some people think. Oh, man, you guys just go out there and have fun. No, there's a lot of work that goes into playing at the NFL professional level, any professional level across the board. Not saying that, but you can't go out there as what seems like and do silly stuff like, oh, well, I just cost my team a first down. Oh, well, I just cost us the game. Oh, well, no, it's not. Oh, well, you can't get cut because this is not basketball and baseball where contracts are guaranteed, except pretty much for quarterbacks. All these other positions. Hey, man, you can be streets. Trying to figure it out, like, can I get on a practice squad or something? So, yeah, take advantage of your situation and, and just make your plays as they come up, and you're fine. Bingo. All right, folks, so there you go. It is time for us to go. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike on Twitter at 1do23 and find us as a team on Twitter at Talk Rams. We'll see you Sunday night post game as the Rams. Hopefully, I mean, I think, we hope they're going to beat the Jaguars. Thanks to Jamie Johnson for making the appearance today. Until next time, we're out of here. Have a great one. We're out.